Welcome to the Recession Proof Real Estate Investing Podcast. Join your host, Sam Newell, as he educates you on how to make profitable, low-risk real estate investments that will cash flow through any economy. Hear interviews with the top real estate investors and entrepreneurs in the country to find out what they've learned and implemented since the 2008 recession. With over 10 years in real estate investing, it has become Sam's goal to help others invest for double-digit returns, but to also stay safe and not get caught in the next downturn. Tune in and become recession-proof. Michael Young, happy Friday. How you doing, man? Doing well, thank you. Perfect. Geez, we are in a different world than we had ever thought we would be in a year ago and two years ago when we really were just looking hard for apartments to buy and, and value-add deals. And you know, we had some underwriting assumptions going on back then. And then COVID hit last year and we managed to be conservative enough and change your underwriting a little bit, but really COVID proved our underwriting true. You know, it, tr it proved that we're being conservative enough. And now we have a new topic to talk about, which is uh, inflation. And I just wanted to get your two cents and have a little discussion with you about how we're planning for the future, how we're not going to be reactive, but proactive in these deals that we're taking down and how we're going to invest. And, you know, Warren Buffett's number one rule is never lose money. And, and we never have and never will. So I just wanted to talk about that with you today. Well, two things. I think, number one, it's an incredible opportunity, depending on how it's played. And also, we're going in with extreme caution because of what's going on politically, what's going on economically. And you, you mentioned Warren Buffett. I wasn't going to bring it up, but I, I'm glad you did. You know, Buffett says when everybody else is heading for the exits, that's when you, that's yeah. when you, that's when you move forward. Be scared when everyone's excited and be excited right. when everyone's scared. And I, I think you share my thought process on this is that a lot of there's going to be more sellers than we potentially normally had this year because they're afraid of what's going to happen with the Biden tax rules. Even if he doesn't get 100 percent, even if he only gets 50 percent for certain people, it still is going to be a better time to sell this year than next year, right. which hence could be our, our opportunity. Conversely, it's going, to, it's going to compress most likely rents and it's going to compress cap rates, meaning that we're going to have sellers, even though there might be more sellers, they're probably going to be more unreasonable than they have been. They've been quite unreasonable the last yeah. two years. Yeah. And I think it's no exaggeration to say that for every hundred deals we looked at, we would write an offer on one. Do you, do you concur with that? One or two. Yeah. That's about right. 1%. Exactly. So that's the way... You know, I think as a team we're we're approaching it. Do you what what are your thoughts? Yeah, you know, there's there's the Biden tax, you know, change to 1031 tax law that he wants to do. There's I mean, capital gains, 1031s, and, and that's scaring a lot of people, just like you said. And I think it'll be to our benefit. We may find some deals that we wouldn't have otherwise. And then there's the inflation that's 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 going on and outrageous prices for materials and appliances and you know, all, all these different things that's affecting our underwriting. So, you know, we're, we're hoping to go under contract on a deal today in Cleveland. And we all agreed, let's add 50% to our rehab budget. That's a huge, huge add. I mean, we were already almost $2 million and, and now we're over $2 million on, on that rehab budget. But again, we don't ever want to get caught red handed. Right. We don't want to get caught with a, oh, we should have seen that coming. Right. And so... Yeah, there's there's some things that are going to come down the pipeline from Biden and his administ administration. 
And we can argue about how that'll affect us. The truth is we don't know, but we just want to be prepared. And I think that's the purpose of this call is absolutely talk to our investors, talk to our partners about what we're doing to make sure that we're prepared. We were prepared for COVID. We had the reserves. We had the conservative deals. We really weren't affected. We came out on top. That was fantastic. That's some bragging rights. That's some street cred that we already have. Now, as we move forward through inflation and through tax laws changing, we want to do the same thing. Right. And, you know, you're, God bless you, you're young enough not to remember waiting in lines for gasoline yeah. in the mid, mid to late 70s. When I was a kid, and I'm, I'm sure a lot of people on this podcast won't remember, won't know this, remember this, maybe some will. But when you have severe inflation like you had during the Carter years, uh, everything gets thrown out of whack. Mm-hmm. Gasoline, housing, milk, steel, bread, clothing, everything uh, starts to explode. And we're starting to see that. Now, the jobs numbers conversely came out pretty poor today, which doesn't shock me too much. I think it shocked Wall Street a lot. But, you know, there, there, there are a lot of reasons for that. But we don't really care so much about that because we know that rents are probably most likely as inflation keeps ramping up. Rents, along with uh, materials, are going are to inflate. Mm-hmm. So one of the things we're preparing for is when we have those materials that are inflating, like you mentioned, we have a big, big buffer so we don't get, we don't get caught, as you said, shorthanded. But also to kind of uh, buffer that as well, we uh, are presuming, we don't know for sure, but we're going to, we should see, and we're already seeing it through our other deals, rents going up, whether we improve the units or not, (laughs) which I don't think any of us, I'll I'll be the first one, I I was not expecting that. Yeah, we Um, didn't plan for that. We didn't plan for that. So that's kind of a nice surprise. However, so we're going into a lot of mystery. We don't know what rents will be. We assume they're going to be higher. We don't know what materials will, will be. We assume they'll be higher. So all we can do is be like we always are, being ultra conservative, uh, project as uh, as realistically and as ugly as possible. So if the worst does come, we're prepared for it as best as possible. And that's pretty much all we can do. You know, and, and as you're talking, I'm thinking about these other deals that I've seen recently pitched by other groups and I'm not going to name any of them. But, you know, I was, I was watching someone's presentation and they, they had no margin for error and no wiggle room. And that's scary. So if, if I'm an investor in this market, my suggestion to investors is, yes, you want to get good returns. Yes, you want to look for these sexy deals where they're promising good returns because that's your goal is to, is to make a good return on your money. However, the question you really should be asking is, what if this happens? You know, the name of this podcast is the Recession Proof Real Estate Investing Podcast. So ask this op- that operator or ask us, Sam, what happens if your inflation happens and your expenses go up by 35%? You know, what, is the, what, do, what do my returns look like at that point? And if they can't answer that, that, that's not good. And we can, you know, we stress test these deals. We stress test the deals. We know if inflation caused our, our rehab budget to go up by 20%. How that affects our numbers, and actually, what we're underwriting is is fifty percent. So our underwriting, and that may be excessive, and we may just return people's money after the rehab is over and say, "Hey, here's, you know, twenty percent of the rehab budget we didn't use. Here's some of your money back." But what a better strategy than having a capital call six to twelve months into the deal and saying, "Hey, guys, we screwed up. I know the market's tough right now. I know everyone's struggling to." 
you know, pay your own bills, but we need you to scrape together some money to help us finish that this deal, or we're not going to make any money and potentially we won't be able to refinance it. And yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of people in that situation that are not underwriting for inflation, are not underwriting for increased expenses, and we're going to buy their deals. Yeah. So if you look at the real, real masters, the Sam Zells, the Barry Sternlicks, the Charlie Mungers, the first thing they'll tell you is tell me about the downside. Mm-hmm. Tell me about the worst case scenario. You know, I know it's a great deal. I know it's uh, in a great location. I know rents are going to go up. I know all this. I know all that. But let's look at Armageddon. Let's look at uh, the black swans that are flying around out there that could be dropping at any time. Then if it, if it passes that test, then we will consider moving forward. Right. But if, you know, like, for example, when you model it out with, with, with uh, Tian and with Lyndon, you know, we're looking at 30, 35% downside. Which I think is 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 all is, is a pretty healthy number. A lot of people, and you correct me if I'm wrong, a lot of people don't go that low. A lot of people go right. in the 10 to 20 percent range. Is that is that accurate? Yep. Yeah. And and if it's honestly most deals I've seen, if they're over 10, 15 percent vacant or they're doing they're doing pretty bad. They're they're sweating bullets. And that's why we saw when the shutdown happened, that's why we saw people losing their minds, panicking, asking banks for forbearance and I mean, that's a terrible situation to be in. So we have a we have a seller right now that you're talking about that um, it would make all the sense in the world to do an installment sale to carry yep. a paper. Inherited the property, extraordinary low, to, if any kind of tax base. And, you know, God bless him, he won't carry. And that's fine. So we're going to have to, we'll have to pull it off another way. That is a perfect example of someone that maybe a year or two ago might have carried, might have looked at things. But because of events happening right now, people are saying, I want my money. Right. I want to get out. I want, well, two things. I want the highest price possible. <laughs> yeah. I don't care if you can get a loan or not. And I want my money. Right. So as inflation goes up and unreasonableness is going to, is going to follow because it's going to embolden and, and empower sellers. Just like it would be if someone approached us on any of our portfolio right now, you and I would be extraordinarily unreasonable. Oh yeah. Well, and, and the scary thing is there's so much money being made. There's so much capital available to be raised that operators are desperate to do deals, to take advantage of it. And so a good example is the deals we just passed on. We just passed on an El Paso deal, a Dallas deal, a Cincinnati deal, another Cleveland deal, an Akron deal. And, you know, in the past, we would get outbid by a couple hundred thousand, three, four hundred thousand, maybe half a million dollars on these deals that are in the 10 to 20 million range, we're getting outbid by millions now. And we don't understand how they plan to make money. And that's really scary. And so I think another sign of how we're being conservative is not this deal that in Cleveland that we're wanting to do that we're trying to put under contract today, but also these deals that we're passing on where these people with maybe they just have endless amounts of money but they're paying a million, $2 million more than we would ever pay for that property. And more than we can figure out how they're even going to make money owning that property. So it's an interesting market to be in for sure. Sellers are wanting a high price and it's easy enough to raise capital in this market that there are some buyers that sadly don't have a problem paying that price. And they're just crossing the finger, their fingers, the market stays hot for another three, four years to, uh, save them from a poor business plan. And, and it very well might. The truth is we don't know, but we're not in the- we're I'm not, not gambling. 
Jason and I talked about gambling the other day. We're we're not in the business to gamble. Yeah, we're not we're not in the what if business. We're not in the gambling. We don't know you know roll the dice business. That's not that's not what we do. We're fortunate in that we're gaining a reputation that brokers are coming to us with off market deals. And when you have off market deals, the chances of of you getting outbid or having um, unreasonable competition diminishes a lot. Oh yeah, it's so, nice. So this transaction we're looking at right now that I think we'll put under contract today or tomorrow is an off-market deal, right? Yep. Yeah. Why was it brought to us? Well, it was brought to us because of our relationship from the brokers. Why would they? Why would these brokers who have institutional money, Wall Street money, very, very wealthy private individual money, why would they bring it to us? They brought it to us because they know two things. A, we're going to perform, number one. Mm-hmm. B, we're realistic. And C, when, they, when we say we're going to do something, we do it. Absolutely. We don't. Overpromise and underperform. We under oh. we underpromise, if anything. Well, and that's how we closed fifty million dollars worth of multifamily through the COVID shutdown of twenty twenty. I mean, despite that shutdown, we had our ducks in a row, our money together, and our sound underwriting principles. Because what banks don't like is to get this deal that looks good, and all of a sudden they underwrite it and realize there's no way in heck that this buyer is going to make money on it and they have to turn down the deal. So what lenders have really enjoyed and brokers have enjoyed working with us is, hey, they know we closed $50 million with the multifamily last year. We didn't put a property under contract that we didn't close. And our underwriting is so on par, the lenders don't have to do all this extra work. They don't have to have this, oh, shoot moment that happens with a lot of these newbies, a lot of these less conservative operators. And so, yeah, people are bringing us deals now because we've, we're great to work with. We, we're, we're conservative. We're accurate. We do what we say we're going to do, and we close deals. And, man, having this Cleveland deal off market is like Christmas, Christmas in May. It's, it's fantastic. I love not having to compete with these crazy other offers that are a million, $2 million higher than us. You're right. And I think the other thing that, that we haven't talked about that is our X factor compared to some of the larger people we compete against is speed. Yeah. We don't have a board. We don't have We are the board. You we are the board. You're, you're looking at, you're looking at the board. Yeah. And we can make a decision in in a moment's notice. Yeah. And because we know exactly what we want, we know exactly what what to expect, we know exactly what our target is. Uh, we don't have to take a you know, a day or two to think about something. We can move very quickly and lenders and and brokers and sellers like that. Yeah. I mean, being able to fly out in a day view the property and make a decision that day really helps these brokers and these sellers be at ease, knowing that we've already underwritten it. We're fast. Tien, me, Linden, Jens, in this case, we have our, have it underwritten in, in, in a day or two. We fly out, we make a decision, put down half a million hard earnest money. I mean, yeah, pe- people like working with us. I'm going to let Eric, one of our investors, jump in this meeting. He's wanting to listen in. Eric, I'm going to keep you on mute. Just FYI, we're talking about inflation, the market, and uh, tax changes. So welcome, Eric. And we're recording this, Eric. So I'll, I'll send this uh, the beginning of this meeting to you so you can get what we just talked about. But Michael, I, I want to go back to inflation in our budgets. And you know, a lot of people are saying, "Hey, you know, it's exciting. You know, inflation will have higher rents." But you know, the thing is, I, I think a lot of people aren't underwriting. The fact that expenses, labor, property management, I mean, everything's going up. So 
What are your expectations for inflation? I've never been through an inflation market. I've been doing this 11 years. I started in 2008. I mean, looking at the market, really started doing real estate in 2010. What do you expect as a property owner looking at tax changes and inflation? How is that going to affect your properties? Well, the properties we already have the portfolio, it's it's going to help tremendously because of the increased income, which will go right to the bottom line. As we do some of the CapEx work to them, it will be more expensive, no question about it. But, but the rents are probably most likely going to take care of, absorb any increases on that because of the probably matching at or above what, what inflation is at. In fact, I, I, I know it is, at least so far. Will that yeah. continue in the future? Who knows? But as inflation keeps ramping up, if it keeps ramping up, rents are going to keep ramping up. And we may not, as you said, may not even need to do all the CapEx, at least initially we thought we were going to do, which of course would be a wonderful thing, unless it's something you know urgent like a new roof or a, or, or a pipe busting. Other than that, um, if somebody's willing to pay 20 or 30% more for the same kitchen, yeah. we were going to spend ten to $15,000 for, well, then we just basically put $15,000 in our pocket. Yeah. I mean, what happened in Cleveland recently? Right. They paid seven, I think it was almost $800 more. Right. And I mean, that was a unique unit, but still we, we didn't do any of the interior upgrades that we had planned. Right. They needed a place to live. And we said, okay, here's the market rent and they paid it. Right. And, and I'd love to save the money. I think on the reverse, we're lucky that we're so conservative with our rehab budgets because stuff is going up and our Albuquerque deal right now, we're barely going to get those units rehabbed within our budget, even though we had a very large contingency. Dallas and El Paso, we were conservative with those numbers. And when we raised that money and, and when we told the banks and our partners and investors how much we were raising for CapEx, we knew it was excessive. We knew we were raising a, a lot of money for, for CapEx, but thank goodness we did that because that should absorb a lot of that inflation. I mean, just dishwashers and uh, water heaters. I mean, they've got up so much just wood and, and LVT. So I think that's the one spot people are going to get caught is not realizing that they can't underwrite based on the last year's worth of prices. We're in a different market. And so while our deals are going to be just fine, I think our rehab budgets, we're lucky that we are so conservative. And that's why you and I agreed on this next deal. Our rehab budget is 50% higher than what we, we really think it's going to take because we want to make sure that inflation doesn't kill that budget and doesn't really cause us to uh, run out of money because that's an operator's worst nightmare. And there's people last year that had capital calls, they had asked for another million dollars from their investors. And I mean, that's not good. So I think that's the one way where I think people are going to get caught with inflation is, yes, their rents will look great, probably be fine on the operation side, but I think their rehab budgets are going to go out the window real quick. Well, and you know this because you're in the in the new construction game as well. I know you do that as another part of the career. Uh, there are many builders right now that are either not going through with their with their projects or they're completely repricing the projects yeah as we speak absolutely and it's happening all over the country that now two things are going to happen one it's going to force people not to buy those new properties mm -hmm. uh, not that they won't still buy them i'm sure they'll still do well but a lot of people are not going to buy if it, there's a 20 30 percent increase in that new house they're just not going to have the money for it also i think it's going to force people into renting again more because yep they're not going to be able to buy that new house and say, forget it. We'll just, we'll just rent them. So I, I think that it's, it's hitting people that most brokers and most lenders 
are under the age of 50 mm -hmm. that I've experienced anyway. Very few are over the age of 50 and they've never seen what's coming. Right. They're starting to see it. And the great ones, you know, like we're, we're dealing with now with, um, with Will and with uh, Tyler, people like that, they know how to handle it. But a lot of lenders, a lot of, uh, a lot of brokers and people are not going to know how to handle this, which means that the, the consumer is not going to know how to handle it. Right. So what does that mean for us? Well, it doesn't really mean anything for us. We just keep doing what we need to do, stay on track, be ultra, ultra conservative. And that should absolutely take care of whatever comes down the road. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think, you know, Utah and a lot of places already have a significant housing shortage. Right. Jason was telling me this morning that he had a, a cardiologist looking at renting in our, our Fairmont portfolio, needed something immediately because he, he couldn't afford to buy. He didn't want to buy in this market. Right. And so I think the housing shortage is going to get worse in a lot of places because people won't be able to afford to pay these higher prices. And I think that'll increase rents as well. I think it's going to be fantastic. So what I would say to our investors is, is invest your money in multifamily. Don't go gambling with Dogecoin and, and Bitcoin unless, unless you're a gambler and that's what you like to do. You can certainly make money with those, but the, the depreciation as well that we can generate along with a risk-adjusted return. For me, I just want to be able to sleep at night. And so, you know, we just got our K1s, Michael, uh, just sent those out to our investors. It did take long, a little bit longer because of our, our cost segregation studies. But I mean, we're getting anywhere from 5 to 8% return on our deals right now. Cash flow, in addition, 50% of the money that you invest comes back to you in a K1 as a loss. And, you know, this next deal we do in Cleveland, it's going to be massive. We're going to have a massive rehab budget and the losses are going to be fantastic. So if you're making good money this year, that's another reason to invest in, in a deal where, you know, your yes, prices are going up. You're making more money because of inflation and you, you're going to need these tax write-offs. And I don't know, it, it, it's just really fun for me to be able to send these K1s to our investors and say, congratulations, you lost $35,000 on this deal. Well, and uh, make sure to give this to your CPA. Yeah, a few points. Hey, I'm homeless now. I just sold my house. Nice. And I'm taking the money I'm going to put into the next deal. Yeah. I mean, I'm renting a magnificent property and I couldn't be happier. Let's talk about losses for a second. If you lose in Arithium or Bitcoin or Dogecoin or whatever you lose in, you're, you're, just, you're just a loser, period. Yeah, money disappears. When have, yeah, when you have passive losses in while you're getting paid in our buildings, um, I just stopped off my CPAs on Monday because I was very, very concerned because my brokerage business is, is going to be throwing off a lot of earned income. Well, guess what? These buildings act like a prophylactic. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever, whatever's coming as far as the way of income from, from earned sources gets cut off and absorbed by the passive losses while I'm still getting, well, we're still getting income from the buildings. Yep. So if people don't get it yet, this is the last bastion until Biden tries to get that. And so far, they haven't tried to hurt that which is depreciation. Mm -hmm. And yes, the new deal is going to be a heavy lift. If we decide to do it, we'll probably won't be looking at distributions for a minimum of six months. Right. As long as we understand that, that's fine. In the meantime, we're going to have massive passive losses that will absorb all that beautiful earned income coming from other sources. So you don't pay any taxes. Yeah. And then of course, we're buying it where the rents are 50% of the market. So within a year, two or three, uh, that building is going to be vomiting money. <laughs> I like how you say that vomiting money. So, so yeah. And, and, you know, uh, of course, caveat, we're not, we're not CPAs. We're not tax professionals. No, right. By the way, but, what I just said 
Consult your CPA. Oh, my only CPA. Yeah, I mean, not saying anybody else could. I'm just telling you, my CPA, who is he's good. He's as conservative as it gets. Yeah, I was extraordinarily happy with what 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 we did last year and what we're doing now. But anyway. Yeah, well, I mean, you're a real estate professional, and and so you know, some of our investors are not, so they can only take these losses towards their passive income. Correct. But but again, I mean, what other investment? Can you invest, let's say you invest $100,000 in one of our deals, can you get 50% of that back as a loss, essentially giving you three to five to seven years of tax-free earnings on that deal? And oops, Rand is going to come in as well. We've got a few investors that just like to pop in on these meetings once in a while. I'm going to let Rand know. Rand, uh, we're actually recording a podcast. Let's just stay muted. All right, buddy. Thank you, sir. So... So yeah, the the tax losses are fantastic. I mean, I did, I sold three properties last year that I did not do 1031s on because I knew I would get enough passive losses from these deals. I wanted to reset my, where I was at, you know, reset my my depreciation and, and that recapture because I think capital gains taxes are going up and they weren't big enough properties, you know, like yours where I, I was too concerned, you know, they were $300,000 properties, just a couple, a few small ones. So, you know, there's, there's some really fun things. And actually one of our investors just sold, sold about a million dollars worth of properties. He's not doing a 1031 exchange either. He's taking these passive losses, these massive passive losses and, you know, helping offset any capital gains he would have paid. And it's a great time to do that. You know, this year before those capital gains go up, if you're considering selling a property, I mean, geez, what, what a great time to do it and, and reset that, that depreciation schedule. So I'm about to put on the market. Do we have time? Still have yeah, time? go ahead. Okay. About to put on the market a, uh, you'll appreciate this. So just quick story. Uh, bought a mobile home park, small, 22 units, four years ago, paid a million seven for it, ripped out all the mobile homes, put in new ones, put another million dollars on it. So I'm into it for two seven. Six months later, we pulled out all of our initial income put it right back in my pocket, bought another property. And now we have an infinite return. Well, guess what? Three years later, nice. this is cash flowing fine, but guess what? We're going to sell the property. I have about probably between 600 and 800,000 gain uh-huh. that I'm going to sell this year. I'm going to pay the you know 20% federal, 13%. So I'll pay about maybe 150, 200,000 in taxes. I'll probably walk away with about a half a million dollars. But guess what? I'd rather do it now than next year when it's definitely going to go up. Yeah. Reset my base. And guess and throw it into another one of our deals. Well, and, and here's the beautiful thing: if you honestly make six hundred thousand in gain, and that's how much money you put into the next deal, let's say worst case scenario we generate two hundred thousand in losses. Guess how much taxes you'll pay? Probably not any. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so that's the thing that people don't understand. What you just said is gold. I mean, absolute gold. Why wait till taxes go up when you can ha- offset those gains with some amazing losses on this Cleveland deal? And by the way. After year three, we're looking at getting people 75% of their money back. Right. With good right. returns after that, double digit cash cash flow. Let's say they only get 50%. Yeah. Let's just be crazy conservative. Where are you gonna where are you gonna do that? You're not. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the Dallas deal. You're you're getting, you know, once once rehab's done, we're gonna be getting five to six percent cash flow with massive losses sent to investors already this year. Another set of massive losses will be sent next on next year's K1s. And it's, it's in a golden location. We've already appreciated by $2 million. So our investors have already earned about 25% of their, their money back just in appreciation in the last six months. So 
I'm big on real estate. I'm big on the things we can do with real estate. There's a lot more than just cash flow. There's depreciation. There's appreciation. And the best thing for me is just peace of mind, being able to sleep at night. I'm not in Bitcoin because I like to be able to sleep at night. I like to know that we're conservative. We can be 30% vacant, still make money, still have passive losses. And in three to five years, we're going to have that same cash flow and, and more passive losses. So to recap, we're ready for inflation. We're ready for new tax laws. We are ready for higher capital gains taxes, but this is the year to get ready for it. So if you guys have questions, reach out to Michael or I, we're happy to help. Um, I know there's a lot of Michael, you're and my mutual friends that um, have invested with us that are making great money this year that should be investing. You know, Rand and Eric, thank you for being on this call. I'm going to let Michael hang up after um, we finish here and then you guys can stay on and I'd love to talk to you too. But Michael, any last thoughts about investing this year, about taxes, inflation, anything that you want to talk about? There's one last thing that we just we need to touch on, which is now this year is the time to take advantage of it. And that's the word scale. We've touched on tax advantages, passive losses, income, appreciation. This we're, we're doing scale. Why is scale important? Because before things get tougher, the next year when a lot of sellers will not be selling because of what Biden's doing, yep. uh, it's going to be hard to find deals. So now is the time to ramp up the amount of units you have so you can control more of the, more of the marketplace I and get more losses and get more income and get more appreciation down the road. So never, never discount scale. That's why we're not buying two, three, five unit buildings. You yep. can't do this with smaller buildings. Now, it doesn't mean you shouldn't buy smaller buildings. I know you just bought, you're buying some stuff uh, right next to the Cleveland Clinic well, as we speak. I know you just closed one yeah. in Florida. Those are, these were great deals. Well, let me talk about that. The Florida deal, our friend Mike, Mike and Capri, our friends Mike and Capri, after we closed on it and they saw how much work it was and the numbers and then the numbers on the Dallas deal, which they invested in, I said, guys, can we agree that we'll never do a small deal like this ever again? And they said, yeah, we get it. We get it now. And, and the only reason we're buying the 15 unit deal in Cleveland is because it's next door to our 104 doors and we have scale there. Yeah, you wouldn't, you wouldn't buy that deal unless you had scale. So now we take down another almost 200 doors within the same neighborhood or very close by. All of a sudden now we are, if not the main player, we're one of the main players right next to the second best hospital in the United States. In the world and the United States. Yeah. Thank you. With no rent control, a government that understands business wants to pro proliferate that. So never discount scale. That's yeah. only one last thing I wanted to touch on with you. Beautiful. Well, Michael, thank you so much. For those of you that don't know Michael Young, he's been investing in multifamily real estate. What, Michael, about 30 years? 35. 35 years. Huge player in our portfolio on the board with the Multifamily Investment Club plays a huge part in our asset management and acquisitions, good friend of mine. And we want to bring to you guys information and help you understand what's going through Michael's and my brain when we look at these deals, how conservative we're being, why we're buying certain deals, why we're passing on others. We'll probably be doing this about once a month, but Michael, thank you so much for being on your call. Thank you for how much you've helped us grow and we're excited for this next deal, man. Always a pleasure. Very excited. Thank you. Hey, okay, talk to you soon. See you soon. Bye-bye.